0: Whether it's taking care of family... Mikey, stop harassing your sister. Climbing the corporate ladder. Yes, yes, yes. We need to create a new spreadsheet for the project. I know, I know. Or even taking care of loved ones. I'm here for you, Mom. You have to put you first. It's the Know You First podcast with host Amanda Smith.
1: Hey y'all, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Know You First podcast. This is episode six Peeling Back the Layers. Now, this show might be a hard one for many. I'm just going to warn you because we're going to take a closer look in the mirror, okay? We're going to take that mirror and unpack some things. I'm going to ask that you set all of your titles aside. I'm really not concerned with what's printed on your business card or what people call you at home. I want to see all of you bucket naked okay (laughs) strip down in all of your hot mess bring it guys what I'm really trying to get you to do is get to your core the foundation of who you really are and how you can be more in tune with your emotions and how your emotions may be affecting others I'll be featuring one of my favorite apps in the spotlight Um, this is an app that I use to keep me inspired and affirm those good vibes that i sometimes need to give me that much needed nudge that i need from time to time also in this episode i had an opportunity to speak with one of my good friends and colleagues who is also known as the wizard of wow and if you ever had an opportunity to meet him you will certainly know why so yeah we're not going to waste any more time here let's get started with peeling back those layers the spotlight On this week's spotlight, I want to give a major shout out to the Shine app. And if you don't know about the Shine app, you are seriously slipping big time. This app is a serious game changer, uh, at least for me. And I've shared this app with others and it's just been life altering. Behind the Shine app are two female founders. So again, spotlining women this month and all of their wonderful glory. Two best friends out of New York City. Naomi Hirabashi and Mara Leidy are determined to reinvent health and wellness through technology. And you all know I'm a big tech junkie. Don't mail me anything. Don't slide no paper my way. (laughs) You want to win my heart? Put a piece of technology in my face. Um, But however, they saw an opportunity to create a preventive, low-cost, technology-driven solution deriving from peer-based support to help people with their everyday challenges. Admittedly, I'm a late adopter of this app, and I just discovered it recently. And, oh my, bomb. It provides daily mental check-ins, meditation exercises, self-care rituals, all at your fingertips. And it doesn't really feel cheesy doing it. (laughs) Um, I think we all can use a little attaboy every now and again, Uh, especially one that's non-judgmental. So try it for yourself. Uh, The Shine app is available for Android and iPhone users, uh, and you will absolutely thank me later.
0: Exclusive guest interviews.
1: During my learning and development career, I spent almost five years heading up career development programs and initiatives for the National Association of Broadcasters Education Foundation where I developed training opportunities and experiences for local broadcasters across the U.S., in front of the camera, behind the scenes. It was during this time, though, that I met my next guest, Anthony Erdia, another fellow learning leader who I worked with to equip broadcast leaders' tools to lead with impact and develop their teams. Needless to say, we shared some pretty amazing experiences doing this work, and I have witnessed firsthand people in tears from real epiphanies that were learned and shared by Anthony and his work in behavioral assessment. It has been seriously something that you just have to be there to, to really see it. As a 16-year veteran and successfully establishing transformations, Anthony has acquired a few titles, (laughs) earning each of them respectively, which include The Wizard of WOW, Creator of Experiences, The Conjurer of Learning, and The Guardian of Inclusivity. A graduate from UCLA with a bachelor's in English Literature and History, He alchemizes his energy and passion for innovation through psychology and human behavior. And it is this unique skill that I had a chance to tap into during my sit down with him. Anthony, welcome to the show. So great to have you.
2: Well, thank you. Was that circuit or circus?
1: (laughs) We're we're going to we're going to try not to have a circus, but you know, when the two of us get together, who knows?
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is true, very yes. true.
1: <laughs> so, Anthony, you know, we're going to get right into it. I know your work in talent development and learning has a big primary focus on self-assessment. Actually, that is, in fact, how we met. You were you were self-assessing <laughs> me. There's a lot of mixed feelings when it comes to self assessment. No one wants to be put in a box. But for me, certainly it was a revelation. And I want to first say thank you for that. Thank you because it oh, has carried. Yes, it has carried over into my career far after that experience with you. And so I want to start off by asking you what is the importance or why do you feel it's so important for us to take a self audit?
2: I think that's an excellent question, and the, the uniqueness of that question is that we normally don't, don't ask that of ourselves. We don't ask what we need. We, we are great at going to a doctor and having them assess us, us telling them what's wrong with us, and then making their best guess. So we know the concept that we're supposed to take care of ourselves, but the idea in our heads is that somebody else should do it for us, which is Incorrect, because who knows you best than yourself? You know if you're slagging in X category of competencies versus where you're excelling in another. So the knowledge of who we are is already within us. We, we only need to look inward. And what I mean by inward is that we're in that quiet place and we're asking ourselves to be honest with ourselves and not judge ourselves at the same time. So when we, when we have that mindset, when we're going inward and we're self-reflecting and asking those critical questions, am I really good at this? Am I just winging it? Then we get, as you say, peel the layers and get to really what's inside. And that's the beauty of it. It does feel like you're being placed in a box and I understand how people may feel that way, But the box then becomes bigger or you get out of the box because you discovered you weren't supposed to be in this box. So a lot of wonderful things happen in your own self-audit, in your own self-assessment. And we should do this on a regular basis for one reason only. We we change almost every day. If you would assess yourself pre-COVID, you were one person. It was this way. If you did the same assessment later after COVID, you would realize something drastically has changed. Now, those are two polar opposites, have you? And and hopefully we won't go through the same thing again as such drastic as COVID. But in the process of time, we continue to change. So a regular self-assessment, just like a regular doctor's visit, whether you do that quarterly, annually, or semi-annually, there should be a consistency in which you are assessing. It's part of the mental state of our health. And when you look at our wellness wheel, if one of those gives away, we ain't going to be there for nobody, not even ourselves.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. You know, we oftentimes give fragments of ourselves and not really the whole, we're not really there presently fully. And um, I I think what you just shared is is great because, you know, there is a reason why we need to do that self-audit. We kind of need to get in that vulnerable state. Uh, for that changed behavior. Now I told you also when you <laughs> shared with me the DISC assessment, uh, which is a behavioral assessment that we oftentimes use uh, in talent development, I was quite emotional. Okay, I'm just going to put it out there. You know, as, as an I, which I think, and if I can recall, I think you are too, most of the times we think we're right. <laughs> and you showed me that, you know, um, you're not, and there's some work you need to do. And that's really mm-hmm. hard for people to look in the mirror. I would love for you to share some of that emotional self-discovery process that we all go through. So, you know, for me, I would have loved to have been able to, to have that aid uh, when I went through that training. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't have been so torn up afterwards, but please, I'd love to, mm. to hear what you have to say there.
2: The process in itself is a wonderful one, I feel, and people are going to react um, not differently, but in their own way, depending on our style. Um, It is emotional to some state because we're tapping into the core of who Amanda is, who Robert is, who Edward is, whoever Jane. We're tapping in, and what we're tapping into is something that maybe we don't know what they have gone through. So that's when a lot of the emotions bubble up. Because if we look at um, just a little psychological analogy, if we look at when when we're two, three, four, five years old, and that wonderful personality is developing, and we can see whether the child is going to be outgoing, strong-willed, despite the behavior that they're doing. And what they're doing inside is they're watching and trying to figure out how they're supposed to get reactions. Take that little child, put them now as an adult, and now we're tapping into that first discovery as well. It taps into the big emotion of our when we started being who we are. So, and that means looking at the real person behind the mirror, behind the curtain. And sometimes it can be a little emotional. Sometimes good emotion, sometimes not so good, and a lot in between. But I have seen people be in tears to somebody who emphatically just, no, nope, that's not me. And it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. And the person who's emphatically saying, no, that's not me, you know, as training professionals, we, we, <laughs> we learn how to, you know, work that in. So I said, okay, you know, that's fine. Let's put you here. We'll talk more and we'll circle back and we'll see how that is. That person then started losing their clench. Yeah, that's me. Yeah.
1: And you know what? I've actually seen that in action with you and (laughs) people who came in really hard nosed in training and I'm like, oh wait, there's no getting to this person. And my gosh, they were just, you know, whipping out the tears afterwards and tissue. So yeah.
2: I'd also seen a really weird nuance where the opposite happened, where the room was telling the person that's not them. This was, a, this was an entire department at an organization I was doing this uh, work with for the entire team. And they kept saying, that's not you. That's not you. So I had a quiz that said, you know, we're going to let him speak for himself <laughs> and let him discover what he's going to discover. Let's concentrate on you. Absolutely. <laughs> and and that quickly set a tone. And we, I, I don't try, and I don't think facilitators try to curtail behaviors, but we have to put them into a flow so that it's used as a learning process for all. Those, those nuances will happen. I say it was a, um, an interesting one because in my, over my 15 years, I've never had an entire team say no, that's not you. <laughs> so yeah. that was an interesting one. And I, and I loved the experience and everything went well thereafter.
0: We'll have more with our guest on the know you first podcast with host Amanda Smith. And we are back on the Know You First Podcast with host Amanda Smith.
1: Well you know as learning professionals our our primary goal is to change behavior and through that self-discovery um where do you feel like really the aha moment occurs? Like okay, I'm getting this. For
2: that, it, it takes a lot of, of, of interaction with the individual. First, it has to be trust with the individual. Uh. Otherwise, we're not gonna be able to get to a certain level of their self-discovery. And trust goes uh, both ways. When I mean trust is they're, they're trusting me as facilitator, as caretaker, as steward of this space. As at the same time, they have to trust themselves to let go. And you know, normally for me, when it's live, when I'm seeing the person through Zoom, I see the body language. When they're detached or they're not really getting it, there's, there's a clinch that happens. And then there's a relaxation. When I see that relaxation, that's when the I know the ahas are coming. And then I allow the space for people to be able to give their own views or give their own impact on what's happening. If you remember, Amanda, when Risa and I did any, any function or any uh, session for you, there was always there's a time for people to say, what thoughts have you? It was an invitation to, then bring your thoughts into it. Or where is your mental chatter? We would always give the space accordingly so that the ahas could happen organically and naturally. So a lot of it is strategic as well where we're when we're designing any program or any space, is allowing that time. When you put all these elements in and the person is coming in with a spirit and a, and a love for learning or a desire to learn, then the ahas happen very naturally. I can't remember, and I'm really drastically trying to remember a person who left without anything because I've never heard any feedback. To my knowledge, I have not received the feedback as such. I've heard other things, but after a while, people then come around and say, I did get something. So I I get lost in that process myself (laughs) because I love those aha moments. When we look at the fact that innately we're teachers, teachers when they get their satisfaction, their, uh, their fulfillment is when the little light goes on for yes. students. And that's the aha we're talking about. So that's how I describe it.
1: Absolutely. And it was in that reflection period that you are referring to where I had my revelation. You know, one thing we have learned in COVID is that we cannot not take care of ourselves when we show up to work. COVID showed us that, you know what, despite this being a work and personal It don't matter. Life is happening. Time is passing. And I say that to say, you know, what used to be a little myth, leave your problems at the door when you go into the workplace, or we leave work at work and leave your personal at personal. It's all mushed together, you know, now. It's just what it is. Can you share a story of where you had to focus inward, pivot, peel back the layers Mm -hmm. on yourself to get where you wanted to, to go if you've been hitting a road or wanting to do something different?
2: I'd be happy to answer that. Um, And I think if everybody would answer that themselves, that would be a great internal question too. Mine happened many, many years ago when I realized that although I was happy in my career and in my life, there was something that um, I felt wasn't quite where it should be. And so I did many self-assessments, many uh, internal inventories to figure out what, what it was. And then I just picked the most simplest one after things weren't really I was in mesh I wasn't getting that aha moment for myself cuz I was waiting for it myself. And I said well if the key of my life is relationships, if me building relationships um, and and those bonds is what is at my true core, perhaps ought to look at all my relationships currently and see where they're at. And so I began in a very strategic way to um I'm very very careful how I describe this because I don't want to send the wrong message. I developed certain categories and subcategories to figure out whether they fell into a particular spectrum. There was a reciprocalness of the relationship where I had something, they had something, and there was this ebb and flow that just happened in this relationship. And then the opposite of that would be that there was no reciprocity, meaning I was giving mostly everything and I was receiving nothing from them. So people and relationships got placed in these categories. And as I put them into categories, I was not astounded, but I I was just very honest with myself with the ones that were in this other spectrum. And I made the definitive choice to cut off those relationships, not invest time in it and not um, worry myself that they weren't calling me back or I wasn't, There were attending such and such function, what have you. And then a wonderful thing happened. I began having more energy. I began having more ah ahas for myself when I was concentrating more on the relationships that had reciprocity. That would include my daughters. That would include my husband and close family and friends. Now the other part over here of these, of these other individuals, um, They didn't realize anything had happened. I did not call them and say, we are no longer going to do this. this." I wasn't, that wasn't going to be me. I was just not going to contact them as often, or I set limitations or boundaries. They didn't know anything had changed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even know that it has happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I, but I know it happened. And even my, my husband and my daughters were saying, you know, you have more energy today. Or, uh just Risa would often say, you know, you're, you're so much in a better mood now. Not that you weren't, but there's a different change. And then I realized that people were seeing the change in me, not because I was telling them, but I had more energy. I had more time. I was more invested in the moment with individuals that were present with me or that was calling. So, and obviously I had more time because I didn't have to worry about these other relationships. Now that's, um, A simple way to describe what I went through, but it sounds like it was easy. It wasn't easy. Um, I have to say that some of those relationships were family members. Just because you're blood-related, just because uh, you share the same branch and the same tree down the street, (laughs) doesn't mean that you ought to spend all that much time together. I'd be quite honest to say that one of them was a sibling where there, there was something... You know, I, there was nothing there anymore. We had grown so apart, and um, it was sad to mourn that. But honestly, we're now—I'm now present more for my for, for my family that is there. Those kinds of occurrences will happen. You, you you will sometimes find yourself asked to remove yourself or let go of something that you probably wrap yourself up into. Well, just. Um, in a romantic, not sexual way, but in a romance way where you have romanticized the relationship. And sometimes they have to be let go, you know. Sometimes abruptly they're taken from us when a person leaves this human existence, and we have to learn to cope with that. Same way we have to learn to cope when we let go of relationships like that. That's my experience. I am not saying everyone should... um, She should go the same route as me. I think it would benefit people to eventually um, evaluate their own relationships and do the same thing. Mine was very crucial because of who I am and what drives me. So any self-inventory should circle around and migrate back to who your core is so that you can get a good roundabout way and strategic way to make those modifications and behaviors.
1: (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Too much? (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> <laughs> the church, Anthony. You know, what, what resonated with me was, there's a few things you said. Learning when to let go, reciprocity, and the family thing. Whew. That made me a that, that was hard. That made, me, that made me a little hot and heavy. I think we all mm-hmm. have fallen into wanting something to work so bad, so bad whether it's because of blood, whether it's because of historical reasons, how long you've known someone, I call those little fantasy reality things that, you know, just because we're blood related or just because we, I've known you for this X amount of years, it's what some unwritten rule that we just have to maintain this relationship even though we both know it's not working, right? That was that was a good takeaway for me um, because I've I've lived that too, and I have had some issues mm-hmm. with family in the past, and I have had some issues with friends in the past, and I love that. Let go, fine tune the reciprocity, and just you know get rid of that dead weight. Woo. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Yeah, that that was great. So look, I'm big on quotes. And one of the things that we do in this show is we try to leave with some kind of inspiration. You know, I think we need more of that in the world. And I would love if you can leave us with one of your favorite, either inspirational quotes or some words of affirmation that you try to live by as it relates to self-discovery.
2: Mine's very simple because when I thought about what I needed, for my day, and to carry on, is two simple words, be present. And that just touches every facet about me. In order for me to be present, I have to then first take care of me first. I have to make sure that the first fruits that I have for each day are given to myself, to my maker, and then the other ones go strategically to different areas of my life, whether it be work, daughters husband, friends, family, I have what's left after I've taken care of me, then I have enough what's left for everyone else. The heart and, and, and your mind can expand as you expand. And what I mean by that, that if we're growing in where we're at, if we're present where we're at, and the environment, and we're growing, then we have more areas to just reach out to. But we first have to take care of ourselves. So if I'm present for me first, And then I'm present for everyone thereafter. I cannot sit here. I cannot stand in X place and spew all these really wonderful things about the disc, about uh, self-discovery, about team building. If I had not done the work myself, if I do not do this each and every day. So I wake up each day and I say, be present. And then I start my journey for that day. It sounds simple. And for me, it's hard to do each day. I'm going to say very honestly, sometimes I don't want to be present. Sometimes I want to be mad at the world, but if I come in with that mentality on one day, just one day, and my daughter needs me or my husband needs me, or I have not been present for myself first, how am I going to help anybody, especially my family or the people that I'm standing or sitting in front of? How could I be here today and say these things if I did not wake up and be present for me first? And that's, and and that's me. That's where, where my journey begins each day. It took me a time to get there. It really, really did because I wasn't present with a lot of things. I was mourning the things that weren't happening. And finally, Risa said, you know what you're saying there? You're saying that all the people that show up for you each and every day aren't good enough or enough, but you're mourning these other things and these other people. It's time to stop. It was that turnaround for me. And she said it just like that. That turnaround for me where I started being present for myself. So I owe it all to Miss Risa Duggar-Buchter, who then inspired not only me, but because of these words, someone will be touched who needed to hear this. Somebody who needs to make that change because they're at that crossroads and then her work lives on. And then the work that she learned from someone works on lives on. So that's the reciprocity, undulation that keeps going. We don't even know where it winds up, but we know it winds up somewhere wonderful.
1: And that's the real Mike Jock moment. <laughs> <laughs> Be present. And with that, thank you, Anthony, for your words. And thank you for being present on this podcast today.
2: It was my honor and
0: pleasure. The word. The, word. the word.
1: Welcome to this week's segment of The Word. And man, oh man. This quote that I'm about to share with you, mm, mm, mm. at least for me, it just hit way different. And one that I certainly had to learn to embrace over the years. So today's quote, rock bottom will teach you lessons that mountaintops never will. Now, let's take a pause and think about this for a minute. And I'm sorry, I don't have an author, But that's okay. It's really the message here that I want to share with you. It's really when you're going through it that will be where the biggest lessons are born. When things are going great, sometimes we can't always see the big picture. Because, you know, why? Why do we need to see all that? Um, We're right here in our glory, doing it up. Um, We don't really have to make too many adjustments. We're just being. And don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor. But think about the hard times and the behavior shifts that you had to make in that moment. Those behavior shifts are sustaining your joyous occasions. All those little wins that you're celebrating, yeah, hello, that's because of real labor and real hardcore stuff. Uh, Why? You know, the labor is what got you there. So don't forget that when things seem unbearable, just sit tight. You are preparing for your biggest blessing yet. As always, with that said, thanks so much for tuning in. Catch me next week. Same place right here on the Know You First
0: podcast. Executive producer and host Amanda Smith. Sound engineer is Rashad Smith. Music by Motion Array. Know You First podcast is published by Wavesync Media.